Blog Talk Radio. business people throughout the world. This is The Rudder. Your host is Bill Eastman. And today's show, our second in our process, is on the laws of business. Uh, you can join us either by going to the Blog Radio talk, uh, talk site, which is uh, blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, which is T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R, to join us in chat or if you'd like to call in. Uh, you can reach our switchboard at 347-215-7471. Well, good morning. I know it's 6 o'clock. Most of business owners around the world have probably been up a few hours. If you're like me, the day starts around between 4 and 4.30 as we organize the day, and I find it very productive that uh, that we can get three to four hours in before the phone starts ringing. However, Entrepreneurial competencies are tomorrow's show. So let me start with today. Uh, if you had the good fortune of attending yesterday, or if you're listening to this and you want to catch up on yesterday's show, um, we laid out kind of the, the format of what we're going to do over the next two weeks. Um, and we just talked briefly around systems, around cycles, and some of the information that I believe business owners need to know consciously. Uh, these are things that if you've been in business for a number of years, you understand, and the first time you hear it explained, you're going, oh, yeah, that's, so that's what it was. Uh, however, we're not heavily laden with theory or information. What we basically do is we talk about what we've seen over the years from our not only our own research that we do, and we run a fairly extensive research operation here at Applied Knowledge Labs, but also our experience of over 30 years in the industry. And if you combine the amount of years that we've got among all the players, then the number approaches 70. So we've been around the block. Tonight's show, or I should say this morning's show, is the, the whole topic about the laws of business. As um, somebody who comes from the world of science, um, I worked for a number of years as a marine scientist and as a meteorologist, uh, I understand that there are laws of nature and that those laws of nature basically are immutable and must be followed. And the example we used yesterday was the example of gravity, in that, in that if you fall, if you get off balance, then uh, more than likely you're going to uh, meet the ground at some high rate of speed. And in business, it's the same way. There are things that if you ignore, they will become barriers or obstacles to achieving your end game. Now tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a, a frank conversation, at least a frank conversation with everybody that calls in, but a frank conversation nevertheless um, on the topic of what is your end game. Uh, a lot of business people really don't think through about, okay, at some point, unless I fully intend to die in the saddle, 
And even then, um, okay, so what legacy are you going to leave behind for your family? But the issue here is, okay, I've started this thing. It's my dream. It's my creation. When is enough? When am I done? And how am I going to get out? And I can't tell you how many business people I've encountered who really haven't fully vetted that idea, have not really said to themselves, okay, this is what I fully intend to do um, with the businesses, and, and uh, this is how I intend to move on. Because I can tell you um, from somebody who's worked with a number of business brokers is that if you are looking to build a company to sell it or you're looking to continuously grow it and turn it into something very large, a lot of the strategies you employ in the business and how you budget and how you spend money is going to be affected by that. And I don't know how many business owners make poor investments into their companies and when it comes time to sell, they, they are shocked by how, in their mind, the business is undervalued, not realizing that if they had made the decision to do X or Y about the business when it, the time comes to uh, stop or end it, is that they could have driven that value up. So that's kind of tomorrow's show. What we overviewed yesterday, what I'm going to drill down in detail, and by the way, as we go through each of the stages of growth of the company, uh, we're going to even put more detail to this. But there are three laws of business that I, I want to share with you. And again, if you've been in business for any period of time, um, rest assured that you understand these. Um, there's, there's, first one is called the law of systems. The second one is called the law of cycles. And the third one is to call the law of control. And these three are critical to running the business because if you get a handle on them and you understand what is appropriate for the moment because the application of these laws is very situational. These laws exist, but when do you apply them and how do you apply them are all situational to where you are as a company. So let's take this, the, the law systems first. And as yesterday I talked about is that, is that you need to take a systems view of the company. And what that really means is that thinking that if you solve one problem in one area, that actually the company is going to be better. And in many cases, what happens is by treating one symptom of what's going on in the business, the reality is you create problems in other part of the company. So I need to look at the organization and all these processes and say, at, at what is driving what? What are the major factors that are driving all these other outcomes? And identify the root cause or the drivers of performance or the root cause of problems and issues because if you're like me, even though I know this stuff, many times it comes back to bite me. If you're constantly solving a problem, then more than likely you're attempting to treat the symptom and you are not dealing with what the root cause is. So how do you identify the root cause and where do you look? Well, as we talked about yesterday, there are basically five core processes to any company. Each of these core processes have their moments when they become pro predominant, they need to be built, and from that point on, it's more of an operation or maintenance. But not all of these are important, especially in the early stages. So let me take the five and let me break them down even further. So the five are uh, financial process, strategic processes, sales processes, production or service processes, and relationship processes. Okay. So let's take financial. In the financial area, there are two sub-processes. So when you think about finance uh, inside the company, there are two things that have to happen. First 
is what is fairly obvious and what most of us have done by buying software packages such as QuickBooks. And that is the, the area of financial management. Um, you've got to do it because no matter where you operate as a company, you have a tax man that you must answer to. Um, you have banks if you've got any type of loans or lines of credit that you must answer to. And so what this is, this is a this is a picture at the end of the period around the performance of the business. And it's good to know. The challenge that you have, however, is the, the this information isn't real-time. It is not information that you can use at the moment. And I'm sure most of you have been there, whether you do your own books or you have a CPA or you have a comptroller, is that you have somebody come to you, and I've had this happen to me more than once, say to me, uh, I was looking at the books for last month, and you know, these decisions you made here cost us a lot of money. And what you want to say to them is, no kidding, and if I had known it at the moment, I would have done something different. And so that means is that there's another process that's involved in the financial. So the other sub-process that I'll call it is what's called managerial accounting or activity-based costing or things of that ilk. And let me explain is that financial accounting is an end-of-period snapshot and driving and um, running the company uh, through just this accounting system is like driving your car by looking through the rearview mirror because it, it, all it is is it's a historical record of what has occurred. The managerial side of this is a way of accounting for everything that occurs in the company and it's real time. An example I can give you, and any one of you can test this one out if you like, is do you truly know what it costs to run the business? Um, do you know who your most profitable customers are? Do you know who, what are the most profitable products that you sell or the most pro profitable services. And if all you have is a financial accounting system, then what happens is you aggregate cost, and it gets exceedingly difficult to separate those other items out. I don't know how many of our clients have said to us, oh, yeah, I know who my best customers are, and, 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 and uh, they wind up giving you uh, the companies that they make the most money with in terms of revenue. And those customers uh, might be bringing them a couple hundred thousand dollars, but if they had an ability to account for all the costs tied to those accounts, they would come to find out that those high revenue accounts may be very, very low margin, and, and they may have um, several customers who don't produce a lot of revenue, but they make up the, the vast majority of their profitability because it's a better match. And so you need those two processes in place if you're going to identify the root cause and if you're going to run the business. Um, the second one is on strategy. And strategy really gets down into the area of creation of strategy and its deployment. And when I think about creation of strategy, I think this all starts with brand and where do you brand a company. When we started in um, doing research uh, to take our uh, consulting expertise and the knowledge that we had developed over 23 years, and this was seven years ago, um, down to small businesses and leave the corporate consulting world. One of the things we found in our research that was interesting, uh, however, once uh, once it was obvious uh, to us, we were like, well, why didn't we think of it? And that is the issue that all these great companies, brand is superior to strategy. 
in most companies, brand is seen either subservient to strategy, in other words, you kind of work on it after you did the strategy, or brand is part of the marketing plan. That's not the case at all. If you're trying to build true value for your company and you want to build something that's either enlarged and become a market player, a leader in your niche, or you want to build a company to the point where when you go to sell it, it's worth more than the combined assets, such as your client list, um, sales, cash flow, uh, asset base, etc., is that brand is the thing that gives you kind of that added that gives you the goodwill in the marketplace that is an intangible that has to be factored in. So the issue of strategy is looking for where is the competitive advantage in the marketplace? Who are the customers who have uh, largely unmet needs that if somebody could meet them, uh, they'd be willing to pay for? And then how do you build a company around that to where there is margin? And that starts with brand, because brand is nothing more than the image that you want the customer to have in their heads when they think of you, if they think of you. On the other side of that, the creation is the deployment of strategy. And the deployment of strategy uh, takes in a number of factors. For example, how do you get people on board? How do you align the people in the organization around where the company is headed? And then how do you organize that? then how do you assign budget? Because a good part of what conveying what is important inside the company is how you allocate budget. Uh, the third one is sales. And there are two sub-processes to sales. One is how do you acquire new accounts? How, what is your methodology for bringing leads in, putting them in a sales funnel, and working them through? What is your client development processes um, so that you can you can reduce the amount of time it takes to go from beginning to end in the sales cycle. How do you increase the ratio of leads to closed contracts? And how do you increase the, at least on the cost of sales side, reduce the cost or increase the margin of each one of those sales? Then on the organic growth side is the issue of you've got all these existing accounts. How do you get, how do you, grow within those, and do you have the entire budget that you should have? In other words, is the customer buying things that you could provide them from other people? Do you have 100% of the budget? On the production side, there are two sub-processes here. One is an execution process, so that you could call that production if you make things, or you could call that service if you provide uh, services called execution. But you've got the, we promised X, now how do we, how do we build that and deliver that to the client? And then the other side of that is, well, how do, we, how do we develop new products and services? How do we take what we've learned in the marketplace or how do we respond to competitors or changes in the environment to build something brand new? And another way of looking at new product or service development is, is your company's innovation cycle. Um, the last one of the systems is your relationship systems. Now, a lot of people talk about this as management. They talk about this as human resources. I refer, I prefer, we prefer relationships because it talks about not only how do you hire and acquire uh, employees, it talks about how do you bring in suppliers, um, how do you find partners, how do you put together alliances. And there's two sub-processes here. And this is how do you select how, what's the process that you use to pick the best of the best or the best that you can get at the moment? 
And then how do you manage those relationships is the other sub-process. So those, four, those five core processes each have two sub-processes. And in every company that we've ever looked at, there are basically ten processes, not at the beginning, but as a company has gone through its growth cycle and it gets to the final point where it's achieved its maximum capacity, um, its maximum growth for the capacity that it currently has, um, you will find that all of these ten sub-processes are in place and what we'll talk about uh, in the upcoming shows is how to determine when that's true. All right, so let me stop for a second. And anybody that's joined us in, in uh, mid-form here, uh, this is the rudder. This is uh, your pilot on board. Um, this is Bill Eastman, 30 years in the industry, seven years focused on small business. Uh, we are applied knowledge laboratories. We help small businesses get big and grow to capacity. Uh, today's show is on the laws of business. You can either join us uh, in a chat or you can uh, join us live by phone at 347-215-7471. Uh, the next law of business is the law of cycles. And we talked about this yesterday. I'll do another overview of this and talk about and highlight some of the key issues. Uh, stage one is what we call the dream to plan, and that is basically the process for which you take a business idea and take it to market. And this looks at how do you identify the competitive edge in the marketplace where it has great economic returns. It is what type of business model do you build and what is unique about that business model because many times the true worth of the company isn't in tangible assets, it's in the intangible asset of the business model. Um, how do you determine brand and brand attributes? And brand, that is going to stay the test of time because if you constantly are changing your brand identity, then effectively you'll have none because all you're doing is muddy the waters and your speed to market. How long does it take you from the idea of, of the idea creation to producing something that you can sell? And unless you have an unlimited budget, which most, most of us do not, if you don't have an unlimited budget, then the, the ability... Um, uh, you, how fast you get to market is going to be critical in determining the success of the company. Uh, the second cycle is go live. And what that is is sell, sell, sell. Cash is king. Um, this is about the executive involvement in sales. Uh, any, any of you out there, business owners, new business owners, who think that you can hire somebody to sell, uh, yes, you can, but you have to be the premier salesperson to the firm because think about what you're asking your customers to do. You're a new company. You're untested. You're asking them to take a risk and buy from you when they can buy from somebody established. How does that happen? It's based on relationships. That's how it occurs. And that is the relationship that you have that you are able to build with these other businesses and that they don't so much learn to trust your company as they learn to trust you. So it's very much a relationship sale. And I can tell you right now, a determining factor um, whether businesses are making it in the second stage is determined by how well, how involved is the executive in sales and how well they're doing that. And then the other part of this is your search for a marquee customer. As a startup firm, one of the things that you definitely need to have is you definitely need to find uh, that account that if you got them and people said, oh, so-and-so is working with them, they must be pretty good because the marquee con uh, customer not only brings you a brand association, the other thing that the marquee customer does for you is it gives you the ability to 
test and improve your product, which when we talk about stage two in a couple days, we'll drill down on. Uh, third stage, next act. And that is when you catch your breath, you've got through the sales phase, and the way you can tell that you've moved from go live stage two to next act stage three is this. You have sufficient and predictable cash flow that you're able to budget, and you're able to take some money and reinvest it back into the firm. And what do you do here? Well, you reevaluate your competitive advantage. You take a look at what you thought was true, and is that now true for the company? Um, you make adjustments there. You look at your business model and you say, hey, is, did we get the right business model? Are we looking at customers the right way? Or are we looking at distribution the right way? Are we looking at production the right way? Um, you take a look at your brand and say, how well is our brand sticking? Is, do we have the right attributes? Uh, do we have the right methodology for building that brand in the marketplace through marketing? Um, it's also an area where we now take a look at budget and typically, companies for the first time actually engage in budgeting as opposed to before if we have the money to spend it. And if we don't have it or we don't have a replacement for that, we don't. And what does that budget apply to? Well, this phase is also about building capacity because right now, you need to decide how big you want to grow in this next stage and then build the capacity to make that happen. Uh, stage four is big fast. And... The issue here at Big Fast is that most companies, the two failure points in companies, early, earlier young companies that go live, is a failure point where basically they cannot get a sufficient cash flow to keep themselves afloat. And Big Fast, the issue here is the destruction of working capital. And so as an executive here, that the focus of the firm is on cost, is on sales, it's on defects or customer complaints and is on efficiency. How well are we spending the money and are we getting the bang for the buck? Because this is the period, this is the hockey stick period of the company where you get the type of growth that your investment in the prior phase uh, you were looking for. Then finally what happens is that you've gone through that, you've got what you can get uh, from this round of investment into the firm, and stage five is what's called stable. And the focus here, the executive or owner focus at this stage, is around margins, improving the margins of the business, looking at processes and procedures, and seeing what we can systematize in the firm much beyond what we've done earlier. And then, and that's where I pose the, the question to all business owners, end game. Because if your end game is to grow the company, to sell it, you may, have, you may be at a sale point. Now, you may decide that you want to go ahead and reinvent the firm and go through this again and grow it much larger. But if you were going to sell, now is the time to make that decision, um, which gets me to the stage that we didn't talk about yesterday. And that is the company has two directions it can take. One is into decline, and the other one is into reinvention. And what this one is, this is about customer-based collaboration, bringing the customer inside and getting the customer involved in either enhancing and improving the products and services that you offer or coming up with new product lines. And so this is kind of a, a closer partnership of customers, a collaborative approach, and it's also about employee-based innovation, getting the employees more actively involved and taking the ideas that they have built and um, their ideas that they have seen as they have worked in the company say, okay, now, if we started from this clean piece of paper, how would we build things? How would we do things? And that becomes really the issue here. So that's the, the, the area about the law of cycles. Um, and then finally, the law of control. 
each stage has a different control mechanism. So as the owner of the company, how do you make sure that things occur? Well, let me hit you real fast on this. Stage one and stage two is direct supervision. In other words, you're there, you're in the middle. It's kind of like a wheel in that all the employees are spokes and you are the hub and everything passes through you because in your head is this business idea. You know what you need to do. More than likely, employees have never done anything like this before. And so what they need is not only a role model, somebody to look to and say, oh, that's how we do it, but number two, to give them specific instructions about what to, how to do it so that you can raise their skill levels, take away their uncertainty, and make them more competent for handling those jobs. Stage three, your control mechanism, <coughs> excuse me, how you approach this changes radically. Because if, and this is a trap that most small business owners fall into, is that if you attempt to engage in direct supervision, which most business owners are comfortable with, in the early stages, it's exactly what the business needs to grow. Now, it becomes a detriment. And so the emphasis now changes to taking a look at processes. And what companies do at stage three is that they typically bring in some middle management and we're going to talk about this more at length when we get to stage three, the next act, later this week. Um, but the idea now is to let's take everything that we've done and let's kind of say, here's the best practices for how to do this at the moment. And you begin to put your energy into processes. So instead of trying to manage people, uh, what you do is you manage whether or not they put processes in place and whether those processes are being followed. In stage four, in the big fast stage, your control mechanism or how you manage the company is all around results, is that you, you know they know how to do it, you know the processes are put in place, so now you really get to kind of go to the pinnacle of control, and that is managing the company by results, which is probably the most effective use of owner's energy and time Unfortunately, in the early stages, you can't do that because then you get all types of kind of varied behavior that you don't want to see. Here, you can guarantee that if you just manage results, all the things leading up to that have taken place. And then as you move from stage, and by the way, stage five is a, an area where you begin to take a look at the area of teamwork, uh, but this whole reinvention cycle is the focus of the firm is teamwork. How do you get that reinvention, that innovation, bringing customers inside, is that now what you do is you put together a collaborative team of people. And regardless of what you're looking at, whether it's an external focus around the products and services that you offer or an internal focus around how things are built or constructed or run, is that you want to get a mix of subject matter experts from either inside the firm or outside the firm, the people who do the work, and you want to get customers involved. And by the way, the other benefit of having customers involved is that by having customers inside the company, um, it's actually an incredibly effective sales tool because they have a greater and greater commitment to you and your company. So what I've just done is I've just given your MBA you probably get this over three or four classes in an MBA program. But I think it's essential for you to know these things because if you understand them and you understand that each of these pieces become relevant at some point of the growth of the company, it gives you the ability to, instead of shotgunning 
how the business is run and where you put your energy and what you spend money on. It gives you the ability to take out a rifle and shoot those things that need to be done. Um, so let me kind of close here as we've got about two minutes left to the show. Um, each stage demands of the owner a different set of skills. And the challenge to any business owner is that their ability to grow their business is directly equal to their ability of themselves to grow. And what made the company great up to a certain point uh, sometimes becomes the reason that the company fails. I, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it is absolutely true is that your success is a two-edged sword, and many times the reason that you succeeded, the reason that you succeeded up till now is now the reason that you didn't succeed. And so why tomorrow's show is going to focus on entrepreneurial competencies is exactly that, is that the business is idiosyncratic in that the business, small, all small businesses have personalities, and all those personalities, for the most part, are quirky. And why? Because business owners have personalities, and they're quirky. So, so how do you, as a business owner, take a look at your own skill sets and say, see, I'm really good at this stuff, and maybe that's what I ought to be doing, and I'm not so good at this stuff, and either I'm going to have to get better at this, or... I'm going to have to hire somebody and begin to professionalize the firm. So don't miss tomorrow's show. It's going to be at the same time. And obviously, if you're not up at 6 in the morning, East Coast time, and um, you want to capture the news, all you got to do is download the show. So have a great Tuesday. Looking forward to talking to you on tomorrow. And, of course, you'll have the opportunity to hit us on any one of our numerous websites. Take care. <laughs>